praise you. We come before thee this morning, O Lord, feeling after thy great grace. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Everybody said praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right. You have a Bible this morning, turning to the fourth chapter of the book of Acts. Good to see each and every one of you here braving this blizzard this morning. We are definitely South Floridians with a touch of Jamaica. We like, we like our warm weather, don't we? Yes, we do. All right. Acts chapter 4, fifth book of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then Acts. Fifth book of the New Testament. Down at the radio station every Sunday morning, I, there's a stream of uh, Spanish-speaking brethren that come out of the FM part, and they'll be coming out, and I'll be going in, and I, I tell them, Echos, Echos, Acts, you know, Acts, and then I give them my 238 in Spanish, and so now it's come to where they go, yeah, 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 and they're going out the door, you know, yeah, but I'm going to keep telling them, I'm going to keep telling them, thank God, believe that good word of God, nothing in the word of God should make you run away, it should make you run too, embrace and be happy about it. Okay, Acts chapter 4 and verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of God with boldness. I want to take a few moments and work on when God shakes things up. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. As I said, the, uh, these brethren, these men, that uh, have a you know, tendency to run away from the great Word of God, though they all want to carry a Bible under their arm, you know, and puff their chest out a little bit, and feeling all that, and yet run away from chapter and verse. And I'm going to tell you, we don't need to run away from the Lord. We need to run to the Lord. And he knows how to draw all men, and that's mankind, unto him. He knows how to do that. I want you to believe this morning with me that, that God has your best interests at heart. I ministered here at the Rock the other day, the last service, I guess, and about how that God's thoughts, He knows His thoughts towards you are good. And for you to get some faith, confidence in that, that God's not looking at you uh, where He's mad or unhappy with you or is going to clobber you, you know, but that God is thinking something good your way. That doesn't mean you're going to have your way. doesn't mean you're going to get to do any old thing you want to do. Because I did say that God had good thoughts. And a lot of the things you want to do are not good things. They're not helpful things for you. That's what you need to realize. This morning I was down the street after the radio station and I 
decided to get a little fuel, a little gas, so I went in there and I'm sitting in the car and practicing my Spanish with the guy and uh, told him what I wanted. And so about that time I saw a girl, a young lady had come walking across the street, around across 715, and I saw it in my mirror. So I got a card ready and invited her to church. And so when she was going by, I put the window down and and I said, hey, I, I want to give you something. And boy, she was looking at me like, no way, pal. <laughs> I said, no, no, it's, it's for church. And so I figured if I got out, she'd really run then, right? So I said, uh, I said no, it, it's for church. It's for church. I want to invite you to our church. And so she was looking, and I saw her countenance go from very skeptical and hard to, all right. So she came over, and I handed the, it out the passenger side of the window, and and uh, she took it and went on her way. And I thought how often and with good reason that people feel like somebody has something, a bad thought towards them. And uh, it's, I'm sad that it's uh, that kind of world we live in and that people have to be so leery of everything and, and so on guard, uh, take the Bruce Lee stance, you know. And it's unfortunate. And, uh, but it's understandable. It is understandable. And uh, also, not only because of all of the bad and sin and spirits in our world uh, and, and things that have happened and are happening, do people feel that way and do I understand why they feel that way, but also because we do have this thing often called a guilty conscience. And we know that we have said it wrong and that we've done it wrong, uh, and that we have a lot of things in our lives that, you know, we feel very deserving of, oh boy, you know, I'm going to get mine. And, um, but you know, that's the thing about God's grace, that uh, that's the thing about God's so loving. Uh, even while the writer said we were yet sinners, and enemies in our wicked mind, our hearts, against God, Yet He loved us. How marvelous and great and beyond our comprehension is God's love and God's grace. And you have to, no wonder it's telling you to grow. (laughs) Grow in that grace. Grow in that understanding of, of how wonderful God is and that He's looking past your faults. He's looking past your weaknesses and your shortcomings and your faults and your failures. And he's, in spite of your wall and shield of unbelief, his spirit is penetrating, reaching in to your heart here, and wanting to bring something good, something good. And I want you to understand that the Bible teaches here, of course, in the book of Acts, where Jesus gave birth to his church. These were people just like you. They, they weren't always, as I tell people all the time, I wasn't always a preacher. And um, people have a tendency to, to kind of, I had somebody the other day started telling me, well, somebody came up on the platform and, and started hemming and hawing, and, you know, hemming and hawing, and, and they began to say, um, well, I, I want to confess my sin to you before somebody else tells you. <laughs> I said, okay. And so, uh, you know, they wanted to tell me, about something they did, and, and they kind of cried wolf. You've heard of that, right? And they, I said, well, just be careful you don't keep crying wolf because when the real time comes, nobody's going to move. 
They said, I know, I know. But I want to tell you before somebody else said, I said, okay, you told me. And then somebody, just a day or two ago, they said, they said something and started telling me. And I said, okay, preacher's here, confess your sin. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. You know. Well, people do have a tendency to feel that way uh, when the preachers, I tell people a lot of times, I knock on the door and I say, preacher on board. You know. In other words, start hiding everything and doing everything before I get all the way in the door here. You know. So um, you'd be surprised how people do react. And, uh, but I do want to tell you because there is that in you that wants to do good. There is that in you that uh, would like to really do better and things to be better. And uh, I'm telling you that God, uh, His love, His grace is so beyond your comprehension that sometimes the enemy uses that and tells you that uh, you're just too bad. You've done it too wrong. You've made too many mistakes. Uh, and things of that nature, and he, he brings a lot of negativity into your heart and your mind and your thinking. He's going to do anything he can to keep you from making that step in the right direction, drawing near unto God, and because and the enemy knows that God then is going to draw near unto you. And the Lord wants you to, um, to have a movement in the right direction. He wants you to feel the drawing power of his spirit. And it is true that no man can come except the spirit draw him. But I want you to believe and have faith in God's drawing power. And it's that way in spite of our weaknesses. And the Bible does tell us that he is the kind of personality that he can be touched with the feelings of our weaknesses. He he feels your feeling of weakness. He feels your feeling of inadequacy. He, he feels that you uh, feel that, that overwhelming, daunting uh, presence about you that, that you're just so bad and done it so wrong and, and so unworthy. But those are not really, don't have to be uh, negative things or you can take the negative and turn it into a positive. And so it is with criticism. You've got to learn to take criticisms and turn them into inspiration an incentive that you're not going to let that kind of thing get you down, but you're going to turn that into something positive that gets you up and gets you motivated and gets you moving. That in, in spite of um, the, the, the overwhelming feeling of, uh, I'm not good enough. Well, you know what? We're never going to be good enough. Let me tell you that right now. God is the one that is good. And when He came in the flesh, The flesh was very aware of itself and very aware of its weaknesses to the point that he said, Why callest thou me good? He said, There's none good but one, and that is God. He wanted, in him dwelled the fullness of God, but he wanted you to understand that in this flesh dwells no good thing. So you gotta kinda get over that. You've got, that's why you've gotta bring it to him. And you've gotta throw it at the feet of Jesus Christ. You've gotta bring it to the altar and you've gotta tell him, All right, I got it. I'm a sinner. I've done it wrong. But that's where your grace comes in, God. That's where your love comes in. How about me? Would you please help me? I know one man, well, he was my pastor, and he said he got the Holy Ghost when he got to the place where he thought God didn't want him. 
that God didn't want to give him the Holy Ghost because he'd sought for it and he didn't get it. And, he, and everything came collapsing in on him that he was too bad and, he, and, and he'd done too many things wrong at the tender age of 16. That up to that age, he'd done it so bad and done so much wrong in just 16 years of life. But you know what? When sometimes, when if you'll allow God to work in your life to the point that he shakes you up, and he shakes you to, to where you begin to crack and you begin to break and you begin to weep. And as one man came to the altar and, and, uh, and knelt down before the Lord's presence, whereas, as another man walked up there all that and began to brag on himself and defend himself and, and promote himself. It's a wonder he didn't open his resume right there before God and try to give his best approach and best look. And God just simply ignored that guy and looked on the one that was kneeling before him and wouldn't even lift up his head and eyes towards heaven, but smote his chest and said, Lord, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. Don't fight the fact, if you please, that you're a sinner. Don't fight the fact that you know in your nature is no good thing. Rather embrace it and turn it to something good and say, okay, God, here I am. All my dirt right before you and I need you. Shake me up here. Get me motivated. Get me off of the pew. Get me out of my house. Get me where I'll move towards you where I will acknowledge your greatness and your presence and your love. You can use God's love as an excuse not to come to him. Because it is so pure and it is so holy and it is so wonderful. But he doesn't mean for you to do that, but the enemy does. And he'll try anything, any way he can, to get you not to come to Jesus Christ. Not to bring yourself to him. But you must realize the tricks of the enemy. You must, uh, being around the church, and coming around the body of Christ, and putting yourself in an environment and an atmosphere where people are, uh, making a valiant attempt to live for God, that uh, has a, a tremendous effect on you. It can help you. It can improve you. It can improve your, your quality of thinking. It can improve your quality of speech. It can improve your quality of how you uh, dress. It can, it can improve, of course, your worship. It can improve so many things. Uh, we had a a man the other day that uh, he came, he told one of the men in the church, he said, I, he said we need you to come and, and, and be with us and help us. Uh, he said, because, he said, I've, I've been to your church. And he said, I've, I've seen the Haitian man sitting next to the white man. And I've seen the black man sitting next to somebody and this and that and the other because I don't care, you don't care, but our, our city and our tri-city area is not very diverse, is it, when they go to church or a church house? Because they have so many differences between them and so many prejudices between them. But you know what? He said to our man, he, he said, I've been down to your church and I see how you do it. And he said, we need that. Well, you need, you need what makes us like that. And what makes us like that is good old Acts 2.38, that you don't run from it, you don't duck it, you don't hide from it, but you let God shake up your thinking, you let God shake up your prejudice, you let God shake up your ways of discrimination, you let Him pick you up and shake you real good, let Him shake the place where you're at. And let me tell you, these, these men and women, that, and boys and girls that made up the church, the body of Christ, they weren't too far removed from that Acts chapter 2 experience. 
and uh, and they were they were witnessing to people and going house to house and inviting people and up and down the marketplace and everywhere, telling people. And uh, we've been trying to trace down a, a family that uh, came here and they moved away and then they visited back at the holiday and somehow, and boy, I wasn't happy about it, but somehow they got out of here without leaving their new phone number and address. And and uh, so we've been we've been playing Sherlock Holmes <laughs> and we've been running in the marketplace and trying to find and we've about accomplished it. And uh, what I'm saying to you is that the church was out and moving among the city. And uh, in so doing, they incurred a lot of negative talk. And not everybody, the devil sure doesn't like it. And he works through people. And the criticisms were coming. And even the beatings and the bringing them up before councils. And Jesus forewarned them about that and told them, don't even worry about what you're going to say. You don't have to premeditate that, he said, because it's going to be the voice of your Father, the Spirit speaking from within you, that's going to give the answers that they need to hear. And so when the uh, different things were happening and, and, and persecution was breaking out, the church had come together, and that's what we want to do. It used the word assembled. And that's where your Bible told you not to forsake the assembling of yourselves together. And so much the more that you want to do that, that you want to assemble and come together when, you, when the, the attitude around you is for people to go away from the church and want less church. And friend, we don't want less church, we want more church. We want to be more involved. We want to stay, we, you've got to fight your flesh. You've got to come against the, the pressures of this world and, and so-called people that claim to have this truth and the, the things that they are doing in the name of church. And they do less and they play more games and they uh, rely more on uh, uh, little gimmicks, if you please. And uh, that's not ever going to get rid of the devil. That's not ever going to bring the healings. That's not ever going to bring an outpouring of the Spirit. You go back... Friend, it's wise in the word the Bible uses in the book of Proverbs, the word root. And you want to go back to your roots. You want to go back to Acts chapter 2. You want to go back to them receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. There came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. Peered unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. Sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. My friend, go back to the root. Go back to how Jesus kicked this thing off, friend. He didn't start this with a with some dull situation. He started with a thunderclap, with a great big bang. If they talk about the big bang theory, well, it's no theory to me. It's Acts chapter 2. And that's when my world began, when God gave me the baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire. Friend, that started everything. Before that, everything was chaos. Everything was a mess. But when God's Spirit came in, and God's Spirit shook up everything, and I want you to know, He started putting things in order. He started making things right. And that's what He wants to do for you. Wants to do that. And the more that you can can get rid of your pride, put it under your feet. You know, the Bible said in the last days, Joel 2.28, God would pour out His Spirit. On all flesh. 
The old time preacher said the only flesh he's not going to pour it out on is that proud flesh. And so we've got to get pride under our feet. Whether you're in the church or not in the church, you've got to get pride under your feet. And you've got to, you know, don't be thinking you're all that. We're feeling after him. And he's not far from any one of us. And we're wanting to follow him. We're wanting to grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't want to stand there and say, well, I did this and I do that and I, you know. And God's not even looking at you. <laughs> that disgusts God. That, that, that's a stench in his nostrils. That makes him cover his ears. That makes him turn in a different direction. He turns toward the humble. He turns toward them that are broken in a contrite spirit. He turns towards them that realize how small they are and how great and vast God is. That we can't even comprehend or begin to comprehend the length and the breadth and the depth and the height of the love of God. Oh man, you're talking about a great God that can look past your sin. A great God that can look past your weaknesses and feel them even. A great God that absolutely does all that and does it in a manner of love. That He's looking past it all. He doesn't see the depths to which you've descended. Rather, He's envisioning the heights to which you can ascend. That who can ascend into the hill of the Lord? And God says, I want to clean up your hands. I want to straighten out your thinking. I want to, I want to get rid of that discord and sowing of it in your life. I want to get rid of things that absolutely make me angry and that I hate. Let God work in your life to the point, friend, that you put a smile on God's face, that you do something that's pleasing in His sight. And when you acknowledge God, you don't walk by Him like you don't even see Him, but you acknowledge God. You acknowledge His greatness. You let it be known how great God is and how wonderful God is and that you are in need of Him and that he is going to shake up your world to where you can't sleep at night. He's going to shake up your world to where it doesn't look like anything fits together properly and nothing's working out. He's going to shake up your world for a good reason because he wants to pour out his spirit on you and those around you. He wants to work a miracle and make you part of the miracle that he's doing. And everybody said amen. Give God a big hand. Come on. So what brought about this shaking? Well, it said when they had prayed. When they had prayed. Now prayer is not some contrived, pre-thought out, meditated out, written out, stand there thing. It is not that. Okay? It is not that. Prayer comes from your heart. Prayer is not uh, 26 letter words that are uh, above even college level uh, laced sentences. That is not at all what prayer is. If you read your Bible, scriptures teach and show you that the average words are three and four letter words. They are not overly long words, you know. I remember as a kid, I, I enjoyed the fact that I learned the longest word in the English language and, uh, and what it meant. But what good does it do? How do you ever figure it into anything? And every time you tell it, you'd have to explain it. You know, how much nicer it is to be able to get down on people's level. I'm glad God gets down on our level. I'm so glad that he stooped down to us who are of low estate. 
and the great big God able to make himself on our level is a marvelous thing and a wonderful thing. <laughs> Prayer is not about you trying to impress God. People may, oh, thank you, God. And all, you know, I'm telling you, God, you know, God's really cool. You know, he's really cool. And he, he, he's not filled with airs like that. His nose isn't up in the air uh, in some snob uh, attitude. And, and uh, he's not in looking down on us with some form of um, uh, looking down on us in the sense of, of you're so little. God already knows we're little. And the problem is we don't know how big God is. And we're, we should be trying to learn a little bit about that. And in trying to learn a little bit about that, as we pray, as we express ourselves. I promise you that as a child, um, if you, you know, had something go wrong, and you had somebody in your life, a mom, a dad, a grandmother, an auntie, somebody, uh, that you would, in running to that person, you, you would just pour your heart out. You would just tell them, you know. I remember as a child, I was just a little old guy, and um, I didn't have a dad. He left early. I was about three. And, uh, but I remember he came back one day, and uh, I don't know what the occasion was, but um, it made me happy, and uh, it was one of the few times that I'd seen him growing up. And uh, he's dead now. I do know that. But um, I remember that uh, we lived up a hill in apartments, and uh, the ice cream man would come, you know, and he'd play a song, or he'd jingling-ling, whatever it was. I think in our day it was the good humor man, they called him, the good humor man. And uh, the other guy was called Mr. Softy. Oh, boy, we don't like that anymore, do we? But that's what he was. He was the Carvel ice cream. But the good humor guy was the guy with the box on the back that had all the things frozen. And uh, so, you know, when you heard him coming around, boy, you definitely heard it, and you wanted to go run. And, and so I remember my dad gave me some money on this special occasion of him visiting there. He gave me some change. And, and so, boy, I took off down the stairs, you know, two, three flights of stairs, and hit the ground running, you know, and I was active. I was, I was uh, kind of on the athletic side. And, and I was just tearing down the road, you know. But I was only, like I said, about eight or nine years old, and, and I was just, just hot-footing him. And sure enough, I tripped. And when I, it was dark out, it was nighttime, and uh, it was about, you know, winter, and you know how it gets darker earlier. So it was kind of dark out, and I, I, hit the, I hit the ground, friends, sliding, and, and the money went. I don't know where the money went, but it was dark, and I couldn't find the money, and I went back. Oh, man, my head was hanging. I was just down and out. The world had just ended, as far as I was concerned. And uh, I got up there, and I, well, well, he took one look at me. It just took one look. And he said, okay, what's wrong? And so I blurted it all out. You know, I didn't use big fancy words. <laughs> I didn't know any big fancy words anyway. But, I mean, I just told him. I just said, you know, I was running and I fell and I lost the money. And he reached in there and brought some more change and said, now go on, get you some ice cream. So well, I, here I, I didn't learn anything. I went tearing off again. <laughs> I didn't learn one thing. <laughs> and I don't know but what I tripped over the same route, but I tripped again. That's all I know. And I lost the money again. <laughs> Didn't learn one thing. Nothing. So I trooped myself back up there and <laughs> same sad look, you know, face streaked with tears. And, and I'm just all down and out, you know. And he looked at me again. <laughs> I don't even think he asked that time. He just grabbed some money and put it in my hand and 
Somehow, by the grace of God, I made it to the ice cream man this time and got the ice cream. And, of course, the whole world was bright then and everything was right with life and it was all good, you know. But um, that is certainly a memory, low these many years, that I still have with me. Well, I'm telling you, God is just like that. Our Father, which art in heaven. Oh, friend, you got to come to him and understand, you know. If, so what's that question they always like to ask? Who's your daddy? Well, hey, he's my father. He's my father. When everybody else fails, he's my father. He's my father. Now, he doesn't, that doesn't mean that he's going to take his word and contradict it. That doesn't, because he's not. That doesn't mean that he's going to let you buy on everything. Because what he's put in here is good for you. Okay? And you've got to, that's where your faith, your believing, your trust comes in right there. That you're going to say, whatever you say. I wasn't arguing with him when he was looking at me and grabbing the money again. I wasn't arguing, oh, you don't want to give me the money. You don't want to do that. Don't give me the money. I'm just going to lose it again. You know? he didn't, I didn't do that and he didn't do that. You know, Our Father is looking at us. And he wants to provide for you. And he already has. And that's what he wants you to wake up to. He's already provided for you. But I lost the money. He's got more money. He t- it's not the money. It's, it, you don't need to worry about that. And hear that from a man who has certainly been without any. And I'm telling you, God knows how to supply the every need. And the greater need in your life is, is the responsibility and the growth process. But before you can have that, you've got to have the new birth experience. You've got to get things in order. We don't count here 1, 2, 10, 9, 4, 6, 3. You know, we don't do that, do we? We count 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Made that, didn't I? Thank God. Okay. So that's what we do because that's called in order. Okay? And so it, I, can, I could do it in another language, but then I probably would get it out of order, so I won't do that this morning, all right? But what I am saying to you is that God is telling you the first order of business is for you to start believing what He's saying. And when He says it, then you do it. Because if you don't do it, then you're really not believing, are you? You're not believing. So when he tells us to repent, and he tells all people everywhere to repent, he's no respecter of persons. He's not saying something to one person and not saying it to another as far as salvation goes. He's not doing that. And I will tell you that there is different medicine for different ailments in different people's lives. That is true. And I'm glad of that. And so don't get on the preacher's case when you let so-and-so do that and you told that one. Everybody's different, okay? And if you got the flu, we got, somebody told me this morning that they were given an antibiotic for their flu. Well, another person came in and told me that they couldn't hardly walk and they, they, they had to take a pain pill, you know. So you didn't take for the, for, the, for the flu or the sinus what hurts down here in your hip joint. Or you do the vice versa in that case. Okay, so I'm saying to you that the medicine's got to fit the symptom and the situation. And that's what has to be done. But salvation is the same to all. Now, how you get brought to that salvation can vary. Do you hear me? The Word of God is constant. But the method that we get to you, that can be variable. That can change. Some people you can just say to them, you need to repent. Okay, and they start repenting. We need to baptize you. Where's the tank? I had a woman ask me yesterday. I was giving her a tour of the rock. Businesswoman. And um, 
And then she had a little grandchild with her, and, and um, I was showing her, and I was showing her different things about the building, and she looked up at the baptismal, and I said, that was done by Sister Ann, and so on and so forth, and, and she said, well, how, how often do you baptize? And I said, just as much as I can. <laughs> In other words, are you ready? Let's go. You know? Okay, so I'm saying to you that um, some people respond that way. Some people are ready. Where's the water? Let's go. What did one man say? Going down the road with his big 30s, you know, and his, and his thump thump going on. And the preacher got on board and the preacher uh, began to preach to him and joined himself to that situation for the purpose of preaching the Word of God to him. And then, so it might be good for you to realize why you're joining what you're joining. Hello! Why you're getting involved with what you're getting involved with. If the purpose is evangelism, if you're witnessing, if you're bringing the word of God, then we can work with that a little bit. But if you're hanging out and becoming like them, friend, and that's what will happen, then I can't go along with that. You hear me? you got to be in the right environment. You should want to be in a spiritual environment. And you should want to pull others out of their environment into a church environment where they can get a good shaking of the Spirit and the power of the Almighty God. Don't you know that fellow was getting a preaching too? Start in Isaiah 53. That's where he was reading. And the preacher said, oh, I like Isaiah 53. And he started dealing with all the things that have to do with the crucifixion of Jesus Christ and his death and so on and so forth. But the next thing you know, the guy pops up and he goes, See, here's water. What does hinder me to be baptized? So you know the preacher going to find a way to get you to salvation. There's lots of things we could talk about in the Word of God. Lots of subject matter. But bottom line is, we've got to get you to salvation. We've got to get you to, to make that move, to get your heart to open up. Jesus said, I'm knocking. I am knocking. Some of us are just a little more hard-headed, though, aren't we? And he's knocking. He's knocking. He's wanting you to open up. He's wanting you. And sometimes he has to shake you a little bit. You know, when you go to open that ketchup bottle and that top just won't move. You know, you got to pop it a little bit. you got to spank it a little bit. you got to shake it up a little bit. First as you go, oh. Don't you love to do that in front of your wife? I love that. My wife's... But she can't get it. She hands it over and I go, pop. This feels so good. (laughs) I feel good about my God when he does that. I love when my God just does those things that I cannot do. That he can reach those hearts that I cannot reach. That he absolutely can open those blind eyes. And he can do so many wondrous things. I'm so glad. It makes me feel so good. And I hope it makes God feel good because it did say about doing those things that are pleasing. So God does have expressions of emotions that he gets pleased about things. He also gets angry with some things, okay? And so I'd kind of like to stay away from the anger side. As the writer said, rebuke me not in thy hot displeasure. Chasten me not in thy wrath. Oh, man, I'm not interested in that side of it. I'd kind of like to see if I could stay away from that side. I'd like to see God happy. I'd like to see God smiling. I'd like to see God uh, just expressing all of that in the move of His glory and His grace in our midst. As you see people's lives changed for the good. And God knows how to do that. And friend, when they prayed, when they expressed themselves, when they, they weren't contriving it, they weren't trying to somehow make 
a prayer that sounds. People pray prayers because they're trying to impress the flesh. We're not interested. We have no confidence in the flesh. We're not trying to impress your flesh. We're trying to get into your inner man. We're trying to get to the real you. We're trying to get to your heart where we can see the operation of God. And God begins to operate. He does open heart surgery spiritually. And friend, when He does that, He pours out His Spirit into your heart. And that's what happened here in Acts 4 and 31 because they'd been having some difficulties and some some things were coming against them. But they said the best thing to do is let's go to church. Let's have a prayer meeting. Let's have service. Let's call on God. Let's sing the songs of Zion. Let's pray and worship Him. And God came in shaking the place. Amen. When He did, they were all refilled with the Holy Ghost. What a great outpouring of God's Spirit it was. You want to let God shake up where you're assembled together. We want God shaken. And you know what? If God walks the aisles and gives us all a good whooping, well, then we need it and we'll take it. And we want it. We, we want it. We want to teach me, O Lord. Lead me, O Lord. Guide me, O Lord. Amen. And everybody said praise the Lord. I'm going to close by turning your attention to the book of Psalms real quick. And, uh, Psalm 32 and verse 8. I'd like to leave you with that. Shall we stand together holding your Bible in your hands? How beautiful is that? Amen. Psalm 32 and verse 8. I will instruct thee. That's number one. God said, I will instruct thee. Number two. And teach thee in the way which thou shalt Go. And then, thirdly, I will guide thee with mine eye. Friend, I'm going to tell you what. That scripture, God gave me that, woke me up, and gave me that pounding away, pounding away at me. And uh, I have experienced since then just that, very expressly, explicitly. So I'm telling you, you let God do what God does. He'll do it right. And you, you tell yourself that God loves you and that God wants to work in your life. And if you tell him, God, if you've got to shake me up to save me, then shake me up. If you've got to shake me up to fill me with the gift of the Holy Ghost, then please shake me up and do it quickly. And do it with knowledge that you could be asking for your world to be turned upside down. <laughs> what did they say about the church? They said, these uh, are come here that turn the world upside down. Well, actually, in turning your world upside down, we're really turning it right side up. We're making it the way it should be. And you're going to have a brand new heart and a brand new spirit. There is nothing to fear. Storm all over the place. Boat filling up with water. They're rocking to and fro like uh, my boss has been lately with uh, that nausea. You know, you feel like you're in the middle, in the bottom of a boat, and it's rocking every which way, and you can't uh, 
I can't seem to find any bounce and everything's spinning. And uh, up stepped Jesus on the deck of that boat. And friend, he took care of it. He, he commanded the elements to be peaceful. And he told them to have peace. Peace, be still. Be not afraid, okay? You don't need to have fear about what God's going to do. You talk to God in your own. If you're afraid, tell him you're afraid. I'm afraid of what you're going to do, God. I'm afraid you're just going to shake me up to where I can't get it all back together again. But you know what? God's the one that you want to put it back together again anyway. You don't want to do it. You want, you've done it. You've been doing it for X number of years, and you've, you've made a mess of it, just like we all have. Now you let God start putting things together for you, okay? Everybody said praise the Lord. Let's lift our hearts with our hands. I love you, Jesus. I need thee, O oh God. Holy Father, Holy Father, Holy Father. Thank you.